0: Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today we hear from Jane Millerchip, Chief Content Officer of Sky Studios, about how the company has navigated 2020, continued to invest in original series and its strategy for the coming year. And the creative team behind new Sky Deutschland haunted house drama Hausen explain how it harks back to classic German cinematic horror. Jane Millerchip is Chief Content Officer at Sky Studios, responsible for editorial activities in the UK, including in-house and indie development on original drama, scripted comedy and documentaries. She took up the post earlier this year, having previously been Chief Operating Officer and before that Managing Director of Sky Vision, the distribution business she helped set up and merge into NBC Universal following Comcast's $39 billion acquisition of Sky two years ago. As part of C21's Content London On Demand, the virtual version of our annual international TV conference this year taking place online, Millichip spoke to me about how Sky Studios has navigated 2020, continued to invest in original series and the company's strategy for the coming year. It's certainly been a very different year from, from the one you would have anticipated when Sky Studios launched 18 months ago, I guess. Before we talk about the present, just take us back to that moment and what the ambition was when the business was set up following the, the Comcast acquisition.
1: So Sky Studios uh, is an ambitious project for Sky, but it's one that's been building for some time. And what we really want to do is build a world class uh, television and film production studio uh, across the UK in Italy, Germany. As you know, we've recently announced that we're actually building bricks and mortar as well in Elstree Studios. Um, But our our primary objective is really to provide our platforms with um, the Sky Originals, the original content in drama, scripted comedy. And this year, we've just started documentary as well.
0: So um, the pandemic has obviously had a major impact across the industry, (laughs) not least on on yourselves as well. Um, In March, you paused production, I think it was, on about 29, 30 series. What was that experience like and, and how have things developed since then?
1: Well, uh, much as we loathe the pandemic, I think we've also seen the best of people in the last year as well. And uh, I've been incredibly heartened to work with the people at Sky, our production teams, but also our indie partners. It's been incredible, actually, how people have rallied, come together. So initially, yes, we paused 29 productions because we just needed to make everybody safe, just like every other studio and broadcaster in the world. Uh, We then spent a few weeks working out how we could go back into production. Um, Again, like other studios, we produced a um, a Bible, production Bible, 55-page production Bible, uh, which we've actually shared with um, um, uh, colleagues and competitors alike, actually. This isn't a competitive situation. We really see it as, you know, we all need to go back into production. So that Bible observes all of the, uh, you know, the obvious um, um, health and safety measures, but also some techniques around filming with using um, groups and categories of, of cast and crew, so that we can kind of isolate those people into bubbles in the event that uh, there is a positive case. Uh, We've reduced the number of people on set. Everybody does a health and safety uh, course before they start. So gradually, early early summer, we started um, uh, uh, production again. Firstly, in Austria, uh, one of our German productions, Eich because the restrictions there were relaxing sufficiently to allow us to start up. That gave us lots more intel on how to do it well. Um, We restarted in Italy. And then since then, we've uh, restarted... Most of the productions, and have actually completed some um, this summer. So it's been uh, it's been a successful project, and we're currently in production with some really big shows. Actually, uh, Britannia Three, um, uh, Discovery of Witches Three, and so uh, Brassic, one of our biggest um, scripted comedies. Um so we've taken on some big productions as well this summer not just those with you know relatively close sets and, it, and 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 to date it's working well we're managing it well.
0: And there's a couple of series that you've been able to complete so can you tell us a little bit about those?
1: Yes so um Intergalactic is a really exciting project for us because it's our first really gutsy sci-fi drama. And uh, it's going on Sky One in the uh, late spring next year. Uh, It's produced by Moon Age Pictures and um, Motion Content Group. Project yourself forward 124 years and there's a group of female high security convicts on a spaceship that go rogue. They they hijack the spaceship. Unbeknownst to them, on board is a, a wrongly accused cop. And they're in search of both a uh, um, a mystical place called Arcadia, which will give them their freedom, but also a power source. Um, but more than that, at Sky Studios, we feel for Sky Originals, we really need to take um, existing well-known formats and genres, but but there's a heightened reality around them, which we feel gives us that content worth paying for. Um, uh, Intergalactic was written by uh, Julie Geary. Um, it um, the the cast is incredibly good. Cast in in um, strong female roles, so we feel that it's it's got a point of difference in the marketplace. And when it was first pitched to us, it was pitched as a kind of um, Blake Seven meets Guardians of the Galaxy with a a bit of bad girls mixed in and um, who can resist that?
0: And there's another show as well, I think, that um, you've got ready to go. So um, tell us about Domina.
1: Yeah, Domina is from Sky Italia. It's produced uh, in the English language by uh, Fifty Fathoms with Catalare, the Italian production company. And it's the uh, little-known story, actually, of the, the, of the women behind the power in ancient Rome. It's a story of female uh, liberation, of male oppression, and centers on a character called Liva Drusilla, who was a woman of high birth who was uh, sent into exile after a coup, in Rome and through guile, intelligence, resilience, and persistence works her way back to the centre of power and becomes one of the most famous people women in uh, in ancient Rome.
0: Um, so last year you were looking to, or Sky was looking to double investment in originals, I think, to somewhere in the region of a billion dollars by 2024. Has that level or that ambition changed in any way as a result of the present situation? And given, for example, that you know the UK UK is, is among the territories that's in the midst of a second lockdown, production costs are now higher as a result of um, producing under COVID restrictions?
1: Uh, well, no, our, our medium to long term plans have not changed. Um, we are calibrating our current uh, uh, production slate on a kind of daily basis you know we're having to deal with uh, as you say the increased restrictions at the moment we haven't stood down any new productions as a result of the new english restriction um but we have to be fleet of foot um but the uh but the plan to deliver um that that 1 billion dollars of uh, production by 2024 stands and next year we'll be delivering 50 sky originals across drama scripted comedy and uh, documentary so um we're, we're sticking by that And
0: how is the present situation informing the development of Sky Studios, Elstree, that major investment that you've made in UK production space?
1: Thankfully, the current COVID crisis has not uh, affected our plans around Elstree. Uh, It's still in planning and build mode. So we're planning 12 uh, sound stages, um, around $3 billion worth of production across five years. And really importantly, right now, actually, it should be providing 2,000 new jobs. So um, um, uh, those plans have not been affected either.
0: And Sky obviously has long-standing relationships, close relationships with all the US studios, HBO in particular, when it comes to co-productions like the huge success you had last year with Chernobyl. How do those relationships change now that you're part of the same group as NBC mm-hmm. Universal? And can you talk us through, you know, a little bit more about how that dynamic works?
1: Well, Sky Studios is very partnership-based. Um, you know, twenty-nine of our shows this year have been placed with 15 different US networks and platforms so um, a variety of partners is really important to us um, we uh, continue to collaborate with HBO, we recently sold um, um, I Hate Susie to HBO, which was very gratifying. Um, Epics has picked up Domina and, um, and uh, Britannia. They are a, a, a fantastic co-producing partner. Um, and then NBCU, uh, of course, we're working extensively with Paulina Evoke and her team, to, to to create a number of uh, co-productions at the moment. So whilst the NBCU uh, relationship is critical to our future, uh, we certainly see ourselves collaborating with both commercially and um, creatively with other US partners for some time to come. I mean,
0: the way in which the US studio landscape has been changing, particularly this year with the arrival of a whole new array of, of streamers on the back of Disney+, there's been HBO Max and NBCU's own, own people. As well, I mean they are customers for your programs, as you say. But you know, how, how is that kind of changing the landscape, both for yourselves and for the rest of the industry? Do you
1: feel? Well, I think it's a really interesting time at the moment, and um, I think to be set in one's ways is potentially a bit dangerous. Um, the way we have formed um, Sky Studios to, is to be an agile business. We are a, I suppose we're a late mover in terms of building up a, a studio at this stage in the evolution of Sky, but we're able to do so with it being fit for the future. We harness both the indie production uh, around our Sky Originals and our in-house production within Sky Studios. We try to make our deal-making fit for purpose for each show around the partnerships, so we're not we don't we we don't have very fixed deal types we certainly have a kind of ethos and um, vision that we stick to but the deals we do are very project based and i think that's really important going forwards that we we are we are an agile nimble business so we're not we we're, we're not restricted by rules and regulations Um, I think the move to obviously the move to on demand and away from linear is also important um, from both a a commercial and a um, creative level and then we're thinking about that constantly you know what's the tonality of bingeable stackable television going forward do we need to change that Um, how do we adapt it? it's very exciting actually it's a really exciting landscape we have to be wary of oversupply in the marketplace at the moment we have to be wary of inflated budgets but I think I I think, as I said before, we're very partnership driven and I think that will be critical to our future, whether that's with our own company, with Comcast, with NBCU or externally.
0: Can you just sort of explain a little bit more for those that indie producers, distributors as well? I mean, you know, in, in terms of the way that, that Sky Studios works, the commissioners for the Sky Channel sit within the studio. So how do relationships, you know, work on a sort of day-to-day basis? Because that's a little bit of a different setup than the other institutions.
1: Yeah, I think we're probably, um, our structure's a little bit more akin to um, US studios. It's unusual in the UK, certainly, to have that um, particular structure. But once again, we feel it's fit for purpose. And um, we are in absolute lockstep with our our own channels, our platforms with Sky UK, Italy, Germany, Uh, we work to their briefs, Um, Certainly in the UK, you know, our entire schedule and development slate is um, guided and designed by the channels as well. You know, we work to um, uh, Zaya Bennett and his team. Um, And then we harness both indie uh, production and uh, in-house within studios. And I think the indie sector in the UK certainly initially thought that we would be depriving the, um, the indie sector going forward and that we would um, move most of our production to in-house. That's not the case. It is very, definitely a dual strategy going forward. Indie production will remain the lifeblood of Sky Studios and Sky Originals for a long time to come. And as we build our in-house capability, I think what we're also looking for, are those that well, what I find quite exciting also, are those partnerships that sit in the middle somewhere where you know we have a co-production. And certainly our recent Sky Original Third Day, that came from it, the idea originally came from Punch Drunk and Plan B, both incredibly talented businesses, uh, neither of which had uh, a legacy of television production. So we were able to kind of put our arms around that and provide the long running television know-how to work with those businesses to create Third Day. And it was a really exciting collaboration. So I think um, in having a slightly more holistic approach and a more joined up approach between the indie and in-house and everything between those two points. I think we've got a, a really exciting model, um, and, and it is working.
0: So in terms of the genres that you're focused on, scripted has been a huge part of what you've done historically. It's also one of the areas that, that is most challenged in terms of restarting production, although you say you're, you're, you're back mm-hmm. in production with a number of series, but you also mentioned that you're branching out a little bit more into factual as well. And so mm-hmm. what can you tell us about um, your activities in that space?
1: So we started out early this year on the, uh, with a documentary strategy, and I should say, actually, the commissioning team for documentaries just to be just to be awkward here, <laughs> they don't sit within Sky Studios at the moment because we're not the sole supplier of Sky Originals in documentary. We are becoming a major supplier, but not the sole supplier. So uh, we work with Poppy Dixon uh, in the UK, who uh, is a com- a commissioner and head of, head of docs uh, for the new documentary channels: Sky Documentaries, Sky Nature, and so on, Sky Crime. And um, as you know, Sky Studios also owns a number of production companies either majority or wholly owned stakes of love productions glass films jupiter in the states and increasingly our own portfolio of um, companies are starting to produce for sky channels and that's really exciting because we haven't had an internal market for documentary at sky for some time so all of the investments that we've made those production companies were largely producing for external networks So what we've been able to do is offer an internal market, both at Sky and um, through NBCU. Jupiter, our um, company in the US, is one of the biggest suppliers to Oxygen Channel through the long-running Snap series. And they recently celebrated their 500th episode of Snapped, which was incredible. I think it's in season 27. So um, um, that's been a lovely, I hate the word, but synergy, that we've been able to fuse together the existing portfolio of documentary at Sky Studios with a new buyer demand, both at NBCU and um, at, at Sky Documentaries. And so we are now supplying, I think in 21, we're supplying about 13 documentary features or short series um, to our channels.
0: And I believe you've uh, come up with your first true crime series as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well,
1: it's not our first true crime series because we do a lot through Snack & Co and um, and Jupiter. But I suppose it's the first in-house Sky Studios true crime series. And we've uh, joined forces with the uh, multiple Oscar nominee, uh, Jim Sheridan. And this is a story that he's been obsessed with for years. And he finally found the time and the bandwidth to uh, actually put this story together. And it's a five part series called Murder at the Cottage. And it's based around a really odd case a murder mystery in um, the west coast of Ireland where a young French woman was murdered. One of the first people on the scene was um, an investigative reporter, Ian Bailey. And he quickly became the lead suspect and was tried in absentia in France and sentenced to 25 years uh, in prison. He has always uh, contested that And this is a very twisty, turny, five-part documentary series about
0: it. Obviously, over the course of this year as well, diversity and representation has been a a major theme with the heightened tensions that we've seen in America, the uh, resurgence, I guess, of the the Black Lives Matter movement. So uh, Sky's been doing a lot in this space, as have many other broadcasters, but you've also admitted that you need to do more. So what is the company doing and what are the things that you need to improve on?
1: Well, the first thing that was really important for us is that we paused and and took breath because I think this was a moment of really deep reflection for a lot of people uh, across the business, across the world, certainly in our company. And we really had to be honest with ourselves that were we really doing enough? And had we really understood the depth of the challenge in society. And so I think that was a really kind of existential, profound moment for a lot of people. And I think it's important to take that moment as well and not just be too reactive and end up with a kind of initiative soup um, and that you end up paying lip service to the the challenge. Um, But I'm really excited by uh, by the initiatives that have been put into place. Sky has committed £30 million to tackle racial injustice um, uh, around the business wherever uh, necessary. We're appointing a chief diversity and inclusion officer and a a diversity action group. The point is here that we have people who can inform, guide us, and that we're not marking our own homework. In the meantime, we've been working as always with the um, Diamond group, and uh, we now have 25% representation of Black, Asian, minority, ethnic on screen, which is uh, an improvement on our target of, of 20%. And we're pushing the Diamond initiative to get more data because I think that will really help us make the difference. Across the board, there are development and talent initiatives. Um, We particularly are looking at not just entry jobs, but how you help and, and, and how our management programs and development programs push diversity and inclusion into the upper echelons of management which I think in businesses like this is, is has always been a kind of quite critical and difficult thing to pull off but we know it's a challenge and we're working on it and then on the content side this is something that we're working on anyway but um, we are having diverse writers rooms we are through our innovation hub in Leeds uh, working with new um, talent as much as possible diverse talent and just trying to infuse because I think it's really important that our storytelling changes as well that we it's, this isn't just a representation matter, that the voices that we engage with for our, our future narratives are much more inclusive and diverse. And, and that's along the play. So there are things we can do now by you know, giving ourselves tougher targets or smarter targets which kind of just kind of kick us up the arse, really, to get moving faster. But then the cultural change will be a, a longer, slower move, but, you know, ultimately a more profound change.
0: As you say there, storytelling needs to, to change and um, to incorporate all of these voices. How does storytelling react or respond to the dynamics and the events that we've seen this year moving forwards? Do audiences still have the same appetite for dark dramas, for example, you know, the the kinds of things that have tended to dominate over the last five years, I guess, or are they looking for lighter shows, you know, blue sky, crime, mm-hmm. as some people refer to it. What are the sort of things that you're looking for in developing, moving forward?
1: Well... I mean, one thing, drama takes a long time to develop. So if you become too reactive, you can kind of find yourself almost behind the zeitgeist because you get it wrong. Um, I don't, I'm not sure that we know yet what the impact of this year will be on, on, our, on our long-term storytelling. I think if we've learned anything from the 2008 financial crisis, that there was definitely a sensibility to have kind of more aspirational, optimistic programming. But then we had a whole kind of rush of the, the Scandi wars. Um, I think there is a difference, though, and, and one thing at Sky that I think we're quite good at is we we don't pull our punches. We will go to dark places in our dramas, and we will we will challenge difficult topics but we won't become bleak. And I think, uh, you know, I mean, one one series that always springs to mind is Save Me, that Lenny James' series, which um, tackles a really terrible story of, you know, a, a, a man who's kind of ne'er-do-well, whose child goes missing. You know, it, it is the bleakest thought for most of any, any parent in the world. But the, the humanity in that storytelling and, and Lenny's script is so heartening that it never feels bleak. It feels tough at times, but never bleak. And I think if we can replicate that and infuse what we do with the right kind of humanity and then I think we all need a laugh as well you know our scripted comedies are vital for our survival you know Brassic is just one of the uh, the, the warmest funniest toughest um, comedies I've seen in years and now on the back of that uh, John Montague and his team are broadening out the comedy this year like Intelligence with David Schrimmer and uh, Nick Muhammad and Code 404 and those comedies we hope and, and certainly are travelling pretty well and, and um, they're currently placed on um, Peacock in the US. So I think it'll be, a t- it'll be a while before we really can tell if there's going to be a significant impact of COVID on our storytelling. But I think that's what makes storytelling really interesting. You know, how we take in the influences around us and infuse our narrative with them. Uh, in, in many ways, it's quite exciting.
0: Jane Millerchip from Sky Studios. Hausen is a groundbreaking haunted house series from Largo Film, Sky Deutschland, and Sky Studios, distributed by NBC Universal Global Distribution. Mixing horror, mystery, and thrills, the eight part series debuted in Germany on Halloween and centres on a 16 year old and his father who move into a rundown housing complex on the outskirts of an anonymous city to become the building's caretaker. The pair slowly discovers the apartment block has a life of its own and is feeding on the suffering of those who live there and the son must save his father from falling under its destructive spell. Largo Film founding partner Marco Merlitz, director Thomas Stuber and Sky Deutschland director of scripted production Frank Jasfelder spoke to Michael Pickard about the series, the first episode of which international buyers can preview exclusively right now on C21 as part of our Content London On Demand online
2: conference. Um, Marco, you produced the show from LEGO Film. Um, do you want to just introduce us to the story of Hausen? With
3: Hausen, we we meet our two protagonists, Yashik uh, and Yuri. When they come to a new house, they, as we learn, have had a tragedy in their life. They reconfigure their lives by uh, Yashik getting a new job as the caretaker of a huge building, uh, which is the house that we meet in the early moments of the first episode. They're moving in and things don't seem to be as you would expect them to be in a a house. It's a house that uh, dates back to the 70s. It's a huge complex and in a rather... Devastating state. Um, they move in and they slowly discover that in the house there are more than one secret that needs to be discovered.
2: It's very clear from the opening moments of the show. This is a haunted house series like no other, purely because it's a um, a multi-story sort of skyscraper that I'm not sure you ever actually see the top of. It just seems to just go up into the sky. And as you say, it's in a very rundown state. And um, and Jacek is is the new site manager, I guess you'd call him. And he turns up and sets about trying to improve the heating, I guess, for one. And, and very quickly, we learn that there's something very sinister and otherworldly about this complex. Thomas, tell us a bit about the story from your point of view and, and coming to the show as the director. What were your initial thoughts on the, on the show?
4: Well, I just love the idea of uh, a father and son moving into a house somewhere on the sinister outskirts of a city or something. And they have to find out uh, that there's uh, something behind the walls, especially here. They find out to discover. I hope I'm not spoiling too much, but uh, that might be like the, the, the new point of this show, that maybe is not something behind the walls, it's the walls themselves. Who are haunting here? Who are um, trying to get a grip on the inhabitants already? Already have and uh, I also like the the idea that we kind of concentrate only on this building. Um, it's it's a uh, it's a microcosm. It's almost it's almost like a state in a state. So. It kind of folds up, at least in in, in episode two, in in multi-episodes of different people, families, inhabitants um, who uh, have all their own story drama-wise, but still are haunted by what's behind the wall
2: see and we and we meet the i guess the two central characters but then it's very clear that obviously we're going to meet a lot more of the inhabitants of of this tower block and um there's a family in, in episode one um that we see obviously dealing with their own problems so it's not just the, the house itself that's haunted but they're obviously these characters i guess we will see they're haunted by their own issues and and sort of tragedies as well so um there's a there's a lot going on what are some of the themes that we will see through the show is it is it purely i guess um a haunted house show on on one level but on other we meet different themes through the characters.
4: Well, it, it starts off with uh, mystery slash drama. So, uh, what's the circuit? What's what's out there? There's uh, uh, lots of drama potential. Also, uh, we have strong drama. Uh, father son. We have a young couple uh, who's missing missing a baby. We have uh, older people. We have a whole set of people who are kind of forming a group. And uh, so, uh, and of course, there's still. Horror, almost slasher elements in it. So that's what what makes it so interesting. That uh, it's uh, uh, kind of suitable for all kinds of audiences.
2: And, and Marco, tell us then about um, just the, I guess the origins of, of the series, how you got involved, and and then how you kind of took the project to Sky.
3: Sky was a partner right from the beginning. Sky, uh, um, I think, read the first episode, a pilot that was. Uh, already in development, they bought the project, commissioned uh, outlines of the project, and it was, you know, over, you know, developing developing an, an, an original series always is more challenging because you don't. Uh, base it on a book or or something before so you kind of find the story as you go and Sky has been a very prominent very strong partner right from the beginning in every every single uh, step throughout
2: and Frank from Sky Deutschland thank you for joining us Um, I mean tell us from the broadcaster perspective give us a bit of insight into how the project was developed through your your own involvement
5: Yeah, As Marco already mentioned, um, the writer Till Kleinert approached us in uh, 2017, I guess it was at the Berlinale. And uh, he told us about the project and there was already a pilot script. Um, And that was very intriguing. And we thought, uh, why not go into genre and and, and why not try to dare something that is um, not very common in Germany? I mean, we have... A certain horror tradition but that is uh, nearly 100 years uh, old because we have all those uh, classics uh, from Fritz Lang for example but the genre was a bit um, neglected uh, over the last decades so we read the script and 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 thought it is really worth developing and, and moving on with, with the story and uh, later on um, together with the writer we approached Marco and Lago film um, to join us to join forces with us and uh, my colleague Query uh, Schmidt, who is the, the the commissioning editor for for the show, actually he was also developing from our side the further scripts. And uh, until we we uh, greenlit the project, I think it was then, then in uh, late 2018 or so. But at that point, we decided uh, we, we want to do that show.
2: And, and just, I guess, put this into context of Sky Deutschland's kind of original series that you're now kind of producing um, with great acclaim and, and getting more, um, you know, building up a bit of steam behind your original strategy. Where does Hausen kind of fit into the shows that you've commissioned previously and, and going forward?
5: We want to broaden our our scope and and our portfolio, because we started with Babylon Berlin and thus both both are period pieces, in a certain way, classic um, period television definitely told in a modern uh, in a modern way, but still it's historical program. And then we have a crime show with the uh, uh, Pagan Peak, the Pass, uh, very successful. And so we wanted to try something very different and push the envelope a bit more. And uh, that's why we we decided to to do a horror show. And Our next project, uh, "Ich und die anderen" me and the others will also be something that is very daring and very um, contradictory and, and, and new. And yeah, we we, we want to push the envelope a bit more.
2: And, and Thomas, um, you know, as the director, when you read the scripts, were you already kind of imagining how you might film this or how you might blend, you know, the the horror with the. There's a lot of mystery and, and the thriller elements. How did you kind of initially gauge what the story might look like? I was totally intrigued. Uh,
4: at first I thought, uh, uh, did you call the right Thomas Tuber? Do you know what I did before? But I haven't, haven't done any mystery or horror before. But then when I dug deeper into the scripts, I saw all these uh, yeah, protagonists, you know, all the different stories, intervining and so on. And what Marco already told you that, well, the salvation to all of this is how in a modern cold world is the only salvation that we- We step and keep together. But all of this told in a horror, in a genre way, uh, um, which uh, you not only not often get on your desk, you do not get it on your desk uh, in, in Germany. This is totally new. So that's a, that's a, that's a great achievement and a, a, a thing that stands alone to Sky in, in, in the in, in the beginning to do this kind of show. And I wanted to be part of that. Uh, I wanted to unfold my uh, directing skills. I mean, I'm, I'm a film freak. I, I watch everything. It's not like I had to watch uh, okay, how is mystery or horror done? But uh, to kind of unfold and do it myself now uh, uh, was totally new and intriguing to me,
5: and I I, I I I love the process. Thomas is definitely someone who's not trying to do the the classic American way of a horror show because we don't we we never wanted to imitate something or we never wanted to do it in a in a certain. Yeah, yeah. Str- stranger Things was very popular at the at the time when we commissioned the show. Everyone was talking about Stranger Things, but it, we wanted to make sure that this is definitely not a derivative and, and not something that is trying to imitate um, other shows, but find its own voice and its own tone and and. And Thomas, therefore, is a director who definitely made sure that this will um, uh, take place.
2: And Thomas, did you? I mean, I guess so much of the show is about the production design and the sets that you've you've created. Did you have to bring a certain visual style, camera work, to the, to the show as well, or were you able to just kind of? Point at this amazing set it looks like and we'll talk about that in a minute but did you just you know be able to work in that environment was it quite um, a straightforward kind of visual style or did you look to bring certain sort of techniques
4: we always try to uh, derivate a, a, a style from uh, what's the show or what the film is about uh, uh, so I never try to do a certain style that I perform or that I do to, to put on some film or show I, I read it carefully I think about it and then we are, are working hard to find the best new way to 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 put it on the screen or on the uh, um, like that so so also here this is all a process of collaboration so all production design all the whole process of production design of cinematography of lightning of casting of, of blocking this is all done creatively in a long process so there, there's not a set and I think of oh how am I going to uh, film this uh, this is uh, starts much earlier what kind of set what kind of uh, location do we need to uh, 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 get a performance uh, to get to get a picture um, uh, that we have in our minds when we when we read the script
2: and so you know marco in terms of the sets i mean tell us a bit about the locations you found and and how you created you know this world and and this quite terrifying kind of uh, multi-story house that we, we see the events play out in.
3: Well, as Thomas said, you know, this was really an approach that was on all levels as collaborative as possible. Uh, so while we were uh, starting out knowing that we had little cells, like in a, in, a, in a bees world, you know, everybody has their little cell and everybody's living there, but they're all living in the same house. So we wanted to create those little microcosms that uh, uh, Thomas, in a way, styled them already on the page into uh, the casting, into the production design and the team that we work with were able to kind of create those little worlds and at the same time all of these worlds had to fit together so so what was uh, the solution uh, to our team is that we we created a world where we where we decided that everybody would be almost in a time lapse everybody would be caught in time and so that is something that goes through all the sets everybody has their own world but all of them are caught in, in that uh, uh, time that they're in and can't get out. So there is very little outside world. We do have the house, but the house, there's almost no, you know, you don't even go out shopping because there is a little store downstairs. Everybody is in that house. It is like a world on its own. And at the same time, you want them to be different. Everybody has their own cell where they have kind of created their world that they're also protecting from the other outside world. And by luck, we actually found a building which was nothing like the building that we were looking for, because one of the things that we found at the, at the beginning is that we were looking for a house that is almost not understandable, that is confusing, that has, has walkways that interconnect, that you go in circles. Well, obviously, houses like this don't really exist. So in order for this to be like a labyrinth, we were looking for a very long time for a building that could match that. And um, we did find a hospital which, by definition, needed to have those those floor plans that we were looking for.
5: Shooting on location or on a real abandoned house was very, I would say so, it's very different than a studio production. If you would have built everything inside a, uh, inside a studio, mm-hmm. I've... I only got uh, a couple of times I was at, on on set, but uh, for me it was very it was spooky to be there because it it's a place uh, everything is ripped apart, every cable is uh, ripped out, and and it was completely destroyed and it was really abandoned for for twenty years, as Marco said. So. To walk around and wander around the, the location, it was really spooky itself, I would say. And at night, shooting at night, uh, I I'm, I would say it's very haunted by, by itself, the place. What
2: can you tell us about what happens beyond the first episode of the series and how we follow the story to its conclusion?
4: Well, I can say that everything comes to an end. Don't be afraid. You will uh, uh, have probably the, the brightest moment in all this darkness you will have with the baby again. Don't be afraid, I would say. In In episode 2, it folds up in full scale, Uh, you will meet uh, uh, almost all tenants with all their little lives, with all their haunting uh, 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 by the house, um, Yuri is uh, uh, kind of stepping out even further in a coming of age to finding out at the first that there is something wrong here. There is something to be solved, and uh, he is meeting uh, ghosts. Uh, he is run down by the uh, by the uh, by the monster that is behind these walls. Uh, his father is 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 uh, uh, drawn even deeper. In To his worst nightmares, as he's being haunted in his own. It's then a ghost, it's himself. So Yuri has to save him. And uh, we will find out that there is some sci fi in here, too. Uh, Where does this? creature, whatever you call it, where does it really come from? Um, you have drama, you have horror, you have dogs that are crawling out of the wall, you have black, flabbering, whatever fluids that are trying to uh, kill you, and uh, he, he he is also falling in love. You have a love story. There are attempts on his life, several attempts on his life, and uh, uh, in the end, it's it's up to him to save his father to kind of in a quick quick quo uh, to giving himself up. There's also a lot of beauty in this monster. There's also a lot of Yeah, things to discover. So he's giving himself up, he's going over to the dark side, if you wish. And this is how he uh, saves the rest of the inhabitants and
2: uh, and Frank and Marco, I mean, just for people who might be looking to take this to their own networks or other countries. I mean, how would you just say the show might appeal to, to viewers, not just in Germany, but
5: around the world. Well, I, I would say that genre things like this, there, there's a common understanding and there's a common sense how to um, how to watch a show like uh, like a horror show, how to watch that, and um, there's a certain expectation level. And and, and, and I, like Thomas said, we we definitely match the international standards of uh, genre shows, but at the same time, I think it 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 would be interesting for an international audience to to have a peak uh, to have. Look in inside the very specific German um, history because although we don't mention it that this is taking, that the story is taking place in, in ex-East Germany and GDR it very much appeals to be like that and, um, and, and these housing complexes were the so-called Plattenbau buildings in, in East Germany. I think there, there's a lot that you can get out of it that is different and new but at the same time there are of course certain things that are very familiar. I mean this is a classic hero journey of our um, boy Yuri and i think this on the one hand there is a lot that everyone can hold on to and there, uh, everyone is familiar with and on the other side there are a lot of things that you can discover in a very new way or perspective because it feels more german or european than uh, probably the us shows
3: i would like to add i think in a universal language there is a very common denominator in 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 fears so in 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 genre actually tends to appeal on an international level, in a much closer way, because everybody can identify that, as opposed to comedy, which has a lot of cultural uh, identities, it's, it kind of doesn't tend to travel, whereas I think genre does. And I think the more it's rooted in its own sources, in its own, own roots, it's actually the more it is appealing to somebody else because the feeling itself translates and the setting is unique. So I think that's what Häusen what is, is about. And I think you, like Frank said, you get a glimpse into a possible society, but you're confronted with with fears and with feelings and with emotions that uh, should be um, totally familiar to everybody.
0: Marco Merlitz, Thomas Stuber and Frank Jasfelder talking to Michael Pickard about Housen. The new Sky Original Haunted House Horror C21 Pro subscribers can preview right now on our website as part of Content London On Demand. That's all for today's episode. There'll be more from the event in the podcast tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening.